Welcome to the Daily Canon Podcast. Hello again, listeners. Welcome to episode 227 of the Daily Canon Weekly Podcast. Stephen Bradley here sitting in for Matthew Wade as, well, it's Christmas and he's doing panto. Oh, oh, oh yes, he is. And this week, in spirit of what the Arsenal board has done with Freddie Youngberg, I've been left to do it all by myself. Happy days. Let's hope this goes better than Arsenal's recent results. It's... Arsenal are in a, a spot of limbo right now, especially news-wise, because we are, I am recording this anyway, at 10 to 2 on a Tuesday afternoon, and reports of Mikel Arteta either taking the job or being in the negotiations for the job or at least talking to one of the, it seems, 940 million people involved with making the decision for whoever gets the job. It's just... The last three weeks have being an illuminating listener in terms of how Arsenal are run because as soon as Unai Emery was sacked and removed from his job you get a period where you get to see what everyone else can do in his absence you get to see the reaction you get to see the response the okay right he's gone we think he's the problem everyone else now has to step up in his place everyone else has to you know, take a bit of responsibility, take some control and show up and show themselves. And for three weeks, the only person who has shown any sort of leadership or tried to take responsibility for what's happened or even try to show a bit of initiative has been Freddie Young. It's being illuminating to see how he whilst being left completely in the lurch by his employers, who have refused to give him any semblance of a coaching staff or just help in general. You know, he's had you know one goalkeeper coach and Per Mertesacker, who's had to double as, a, as the academy chief as well. And he's been told, look, you off you go, mate. You, you, sort, you sort it out. We'll, we'll figure out who we're going to replace you with. And three weeks later, he's looking back at the board and he's going, well, what's the story? And he's been met with silence. Like that's been the the most disappointing thing about this. That in the two and a half weeks, the three weeks since Emery was sacked, we've heard almost nothing from Josh Kroenke. We've heard nothing from Raúl Sanlehi. We've heard absolutely nothing from Edu, the new technical director. Like where Arsenal needed leadership and where they needed someone to step up and go right. Things have gone badly. We screwed up the last appointment. Let's get the right man in now. Let's sort out who it is. It's taken them three weeks to figure out that the man they should hire was the man they almost hired 18 months ago. How? How does it take so long for a group of people as supposedly knowledgeable as our board is to come up with... Mikel Arteta as the name that they should be negotiating, as the name that they should be looking for, as the person that should be the next manager of Arsenal. Because they should have known that before Emery was sacked. Never, never mind the moment afterwards. Like, if they've only started thinking of who should be replacing Emery after they've sacked him, they've screwed up. And the most, the, the most bewildering little nugget, little factoid of this whole thing is that 
Manchester City, whilst in the middle of smacking us around the park in the first half of Sunday's game, half Manchester City's board was in the same director's box as Arsenal's board. And yet, at no point of that of that entire period of time, when they're in the same room watching the same game, did anyone at Arsenal go to anyone at City and go, well, any chance of Arteta? How is that possible? I, it can only be possible for in two ways. One, that before the City game, they didn't know if Arteta was the right man. To which I would ask, if that's so, what did the City game do to show you that he was? And did you need to watch that game to convince you that Arteta was the man? And if so, that's a frightfully short-term thinking. And B, if you knew beforehand that Arteta was the man that you wanted, two questions. One, why did you wait three weeks? And two, why did you not ask them while they're there? It's... Again, it, it's just another example of, of the unwillingness for anyone high up at Arsenal to make a decision. to t Not even to take a risk, but just to go out on a limb and go, right, here's what I think we should do. Because it's not that anyone wants to make the decision, it's that nobody wants to blame. It's that nobody wants to stand up and be held responsible, because then they lose their job. And they don't want to lose their job. So they're doing everything possible to make sure that they can retain their employment without rocking the boat or without standing up and making themselves a target. And in this business, that's virtually unforgivable. You need someone in control who has a plan and who's going, right, this is what I want to do. I want to have to play it such a way. I'm going to need to bring in such a coach and I'm going to need to bring in such a staff and I'm going to have to buy in these players. A, B, C, D. And right now we have a board that wants to be seen to be buying players and nothing else. And even if Arteta comes in, and frankly, I, the, the longer this goes on, the more mad we have to assume Arteta is for thinking this is a job to take. I can't believe I'm saying that about the Arsenal job, but here we are. I mean, Carlo Ancelotti just took the Everton job. I, I'll say it again. Carlo Ancelotti took the Everton job. Like, Mikel Arteta could walk in, you know, for negotiations with us now and ask for anything. And we can't afford to turn him down. Like, if Arsenal don't hire Arteta now, then it, young Berg would bust. Like, who else is available? Unless you can somehow convince Pochettino to give up everything that he has stood for. And decide to, to manage a rival club. Even though he's already said he'll never manage Barcelona or Arsenal. It's just... Like, Arteta could walk in and go, right, I want a yacht. I want a, Lamborg a new Lamborghini every day. Different colours. I want only red M&Ms. And I want my, my backroom staff to be made up of 15 greased naked eunuchs. And Arsenal would have to give him everything. Because if they don't get Arteta, there's no one else available. And it's a position that they've boxed themselves in through their own reluctance to do something quick, to do something important, to do something with great speed because they don't want to be seen to make a mistake. 
not that they don't want to make a mistake. They don't want to be seen to make made a st- make a mistake. And it's that caution and it's that reluctance that's going to hurt us long term. Because even if Arteta takes the job, and even if Arteta is the second coming of Pep Guardiola, and even if he can get this particular group of players to play good football, do you then trust this board to go out and buy him the three or four defenders that he needs, the defensive midfielder that he needs, and maybe another centre mid that he needs? Because right now I don't. And like that's half of the work done, because... Look at the team that played against Manchester City on Sunday. Defensively, awful. Like, go back, go back, and go back and watch Manchester City's first goal. It's a great ball in by Jesus, but Callum Chambers treats the ball like I treat the bar bill at a Christmas at a Christmas party. It's shocking how he he sees the ball go to Jesus and then immediately gets out of the way of the ball so that he can track. A non-existent runner to his right. Instead of marking Jesus and trying to make a tackle. Because he doesn't want to risk giving away a penalty. Like it's just the, the, the fear has gone straight through this team. Of not wanting to make a positive decision. To try and do something. Like look at Klashnak trying to block KDB's uh, shot. The first goal. Where he's standing on the line. And then when the ball goes to his head he ducks. It's time after time when Arsenal are presented with an opportunity to put themselves on the front foot and every time they take that opportunity to retreat to take a step back and just invite the opposition on them again and again and again the second goal <sighs> Bukayo Saka is 17 years old and I'll get it and he'll learn but Taking six minutes to get ready to be substituted is just poor planning. And then to have A, Kalashnak hobble off the field. Like, never mind staying down, waiting for a stretcher so that you give Saka three minutes to get ready. But no, he hobbles off, he takes his time, and then instead of Saka being ready when Kalashnak is coming off, there's two minutes where we play with 10 men for no bloody good reason. And even then we're trying to play it out from the back. And what does City do? They see that we don't have a left back. They attack the half space between the left back that should have been there but isn't. And and Socrates, who's positionally suspect as it is. De Bruyne gets the ball. It goes to Sterling and it's 2-0. It's... Like, it's... Little things like that where this Arsenal team, you look at it and it goes, they're trying, but they're just not trying hard enough. And not to play pop psychologist or try to blame intangibles or, or stuff like that, but as soon as this team goes 1-0 down, like we even against West Ham, they played well for 10 minutes. But for... A team as good as Arsenal to play a world-class number 10 in Mesut Ozil, a world-class striker in Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang, a potentially world-class right-winger in Nicolas Pepe, and a top prospect like Gabriel Martinelli. To play those four in the same team, 
and have your only shot on target be within the first 30 seconds of the game is inexcusable. It's inexcusable. You had Kevin De Bruyne come out after the game and they said, look, we don't have to worry about their press. Once we get past the first the first line, they don't track back. Then it's eight on six. And he was right. For the first half, every time they bet, they, they, they went past Ozil, Torreira and Guiduzzi looked at the, the black waves of, of forwards running at them and went, uh-oh, and immediately retreated. And as a result, City scored at will. And look, again, De Bruyne, it's a great first goal, it's a great second goal, and Berleno is nailed on player of the season at this rate, just for that save he made to deny Kevin De Bruyne his hat-trick. But to see that Arsenal team that had two weeks ago sacked their manager, to play so timidly, to play so without conviction, without passion, without any sense of urgency was just galling and look even if they had played with all of the above they still might have lost because Manchester City are really bloody good but after the first 30 seconds you, you were thinking to yourself oh Arsenal are, yeah they're Martinelli's really running hard here he's after winning two 50-50s they're you know if they if they played this this tempo, they've they've got a chance here. You know, all they have to do is knock the ball. Oh, City have scored, and that was it. <laughs> you know, you were left. City, you go. Oh, here we go. This is going to be three or four now. We were right. It's as much as I am looking forward to getting as good a coach as Mikel Arteta into the club. You have to feel that. This is only the start of the rebuild that Arsenal needs. That he needs to do a lot more than just coach this this team. He needs to coach the next team. Because if this was a team in an American sport like the NBA or the NFL, you would happily concede that this team isn't winning anything and it needs to be completely broken up and you need to start from scratch. You know, Arsenal have... Arsenal are now, if Arteta comes in, Arsenal are going to try and play a pressing style with defenders that are comfortable on the ball. And at the moment, we have one defender that's comfortable on the ball at all times, and that's Rob Holding. And even then, he's decent, not great. You know, you've got Socrates who gives, who, as soon as he gets the ball, immediately looks for someone else to get to give it to because he doesn't want it at all. You've got David Luiz who tries to be good on the ball, but is more... You know, he likes to use a 7-iron instead of a pitching weight. He like he loves those 50-60 yard balls. When it, when it comes to... If he doesn't want the ball either, he'll just hide. He's done it multiple times already. Callum Chambers the same. As soon as he gets the ball, he immediately looks to his right back. And that's the only ball he's looking for. It's just, here, uh, right, I've got... Now you have it and off you go. Like they're, they're not actually taking the ball so that they can be progressive with it. They're just standing there in space... Going, oh no, now what What do I do with it? Like, that won't work if if Arteta wants to play the same way City wants to play. So, Saliba's going to be coming in from San Etienne in the summer. He's good on the ball, but he's also proving to be rather injury-prone at the moment. And we have enough players like that. I mean, Bellerin, I know he's still coming back from an ACL and he's going to pick up a few niggles now and again. And Kieran Tierney looks like he's got either Diabiitis or Wilshireitis. The poor lad. 
you know, only 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 at Arsenal can can we buy a player that suffers from his left shoulder repeatedly dislocating and us going to the nth degree to prevent it to the fact that he even wears padding in his shirt under his left sleeve so that his left shoulder doesn't dislocate and then when he plays against Sebastian Haller he dislocates the right shoulder like as much as we can we can blame poor planning sometimes as well you just get bad luck and the new manager is now going to have to come in and the first thing he's have to going to do is figure out who plays left back because we haven't got any and then after that he's going to figure out who plays right back because Chambers isn't a right back he's a centre back Ainsley Maitland-Niles has made it perfectly clear that he doesn't want to play there anymore and he did most of the first half of the City game illustrating why Bellerin isn't fit yet and we've no one else meanwhile we have three defensive midfielders one of them's good at defending and then we have a number 10 who let's say is past his peak he's still really good but it's getting to the stage where he is becoming more of a liability than he is a talent and with the Premier League being such a physical league carrying someone that isn't going to put in the work rate like Ozil does is just not an option anymore when the teams around you are running far far longer distances far greater distances with players as good as he is and then to top it all off we're playing a system that has one striker and we've got two in Aubameyang and Lacazette and we've spent a year and a half figuring out how to play them together and we still haven't done it So when the new manager comes in, he's going to figure out what his best back four is. Then he's going to have to figure out what the back four he can play. Then he's going to have to figure out if he plays one, two or three CDMs. Then he's going to have to figure out if he can trust Ozil or not. Then he's going to have to figure out if his best forward right now is either Martinelli or Saka. Then he's going to have to figure out if he can play Aubameyang and Lacazette in the same team. And if he can't play both of them in the same team, then because of Arsenal's financial state, he's probably going to have to sell one of them immediately to raise funds to buy a defender. And with centre-backs going for... If Harry Maguire is going for 80 million, good luck getting one for 50 or 60. It's a really, really, really big hole that Arsenal have dug for themselves in just small increments with just bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And even like, even the Arteta decision itself, I mean, yes, we're getting in a great coach, someone who is lauded throughout football. You know, when Guardiola and Wenger and Pochettino speak highly of a man, he has to be doing something good. But it's a massive risk also because this is his first managerial job. This is the there's a huge difference between being a teacher and a substitute teacher, and there's a huge difference between the deputy head and the head. And as much credit as Arteta gets for 
helping Sterling, you know, become world class instead of, you know, almost world class and developing Leroy Sané from just a very quick winger into a technically skilled number 11. He's, can he do that and micromanage all the other situations as well? We don't know. We absolutely don't know. Maybe he can and be great. And maybe he can't. Maybe he's just a brilliant number two. Maybe he's another Rene Muhlenstein. He's another Steve McLaren. He's another Carlos Kiros. We've no idea. And <laughs> that's where Arsenal are right now. Do we have any idea how... Do we... Do, A, do we have any idea if the manager's going to be good? We don't know. B, do we have any idea if we're if our best 11, at least our most talented 11, are going to be playing in the same team again this season? We don't know. Do we know if the funds are going to be available at the start of next summer to bring in the players needed to fix this squad? We don't know. It's not exactly a Christmas-themed podcast, is it? But that's exactly where Arsenal find themselves right now. That they have a lot of questions to be asked, a lot of questions to be answered, and not a lot of people around that are willing to do either. All we can hope is that if Arteta is the man brought in, that at the very least... He can start asking the questions that need to be asked of this board. Because they didn't do it for Emery and they wouldn't do it for Youngberg. And if they don't do it for Arteta either, then we can blame every manager in the world. But the focus should then absolutely start focusing on upstairs and going, right, never mind getting managers out and getting players out, etc. The board has to go. Because if they get this wrong, because they got Sven Mislintat wrong after bringing in a whole load of young lads that look like they're going to be really good, but they got rid of him. They brought in Uriah Emery. They thought he was going to be really good, and they were wrong, and they got rid of him. If Arteta's the wrong man, that should be three strikes in your out. It's going to be an interesting few months, listeners. We'll talk to you next week. Happy holidays.